day four. At this point, Karamatsu really genuinely wasn't sure how his situation could get much worse. He could keep his pain levels to a bearable level, only if he stayed almost entirely still, which didn't require much sacrifice on Karamatsu's part, since he was always utterly exhausted and nearly too light-headed even to sit up. That was strange as well, especially since Matsuri had confirmed that he didn't have a fever, and he didn't have any other cold-related symptoms. He wondered if he had hit his head on something the evening Matsuri had assaulted and kidnapped him. That would account for some of the memory loss from that night. And if that were the case, he had no doubt that his fall on the stairs had only exacerbated the injury further. He knew his name, though, and he knew all of his brother's names, and he knew the year, and probably the date, too. He was already beginning to lose track of the days in the absence of a window or clock to keep track of the time, and so if it was in fact a concussion, it was at least a mild one. At this point, escaping was no longer viable. The naproxen sodium that he took a few times a day only took the edge off of the throb that racked his ankle. Without the assistance of the adrenaline that had coursed through him during the stairs episode, he could put almost no weight on it at all, and to make matters worse, until his shoulder healed more, crutches simply weren't an option. Even crossing the room to reach the bathroom was a nearly insurmountable challenge, although Matsuri was at least gracious enough to place a plastic patio chair in the shower so he wouldn't have to stand. Matsuri was gracious in general, so eager and diligent in helping Karamatsu that he could almost believe she had orchestrated the fall herself just so she could show off how gentle and attentive she was. It would have worked out a lot better for her if she listened to any one of Karamatsu's countless desperate pleas for a professional medical examination of his ankle. For the time being, he could only wait until his body mended enough to make another attempt at freedom. Karamatsu wasn't sure it was a good idea to do much of anything towards that end until he was able to run. The days quickly became horribly dull, filled with a complacency that turned Karamatsu's stomach, but he didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice. All he could do now was bide his time. It wasn't surrender, but it certainly felt like it. Lunch is ready! Matsuri stepped through the doorway. She cleaned up the debris from the door-breaking incident, but hadn't made any moves to install the new door, most likely because she knew that Karamatsu wouldn't be able to take advantage of the open route anyway. She approached the bed with a plate in either hand and set one on Karamatsu's lap, explaining its contents as she did. Today it's karage. There's rice and salad too. She pulled over the folding chair she had begun to keep in the room and seated herself. I was thinking of making curry for dinner. You like it more on the spicy side, right? Karamatsu didn't answer. He stared defiantly at the plate, his hands loosely clenched. Every meal was the same dilemma. He knew he needed proper nutrition in order for his wounds to heal, but he absolutely loathed the thought of accepting anything that Matsuri gave him. Contempt wrinkling his brow, he lifted the cherry tomato to his mouth and began to eat. How pathetic. Matsuri, undeterred by the absence of a response, continued with her cheerful chatter, pausing occasionally to take bites from her plate. We can have leftover curry for lunch tomorrow. I was actually thinking of making curry bread. I've never tried it before, but I found some instructions online that looked pretty easy. Oh, that reminds me. I'm going to the store tomorrow, so let me know if you want anything. Karamatsu-san! The sound was so faint and muted that Karamatsu thought for a moment that it was a hallucination, and he froze listening with wide eyes to the silence that followed. Karamatsu-san! Jushimatsu! 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 Karamatsu's heart leapt into his throat, and he craned his neck to look at the board that covered the window, as if he could somehow see through to the other side if he only wished hard enough. As he did so, he caught Matsuri's eye, and whatever hints of a smile had been tugging at his lips immediately withered and disappeared. Her expression was frigid and aloof and her eyes, angled toward the covered window, 
were darker than Karamatsu could ever recall seeing them before. She had the austerity of a scorned queen passing a judgment of execution on her enemies. Karamatsu felt a chill of fear rise in the pit of his stomach, not for his own sake, but for Jushimatsu's. What awful people, she said, speaking almost under her breath. She raised her volume to a more audible level and continued, They only care about you when it's too inconvenient for them to ignore you, don't they? That's not true, Karamatsu said, the words coming out sharp. Matsuri shook her head pityingly. There's your bias again. You're so kind, Karamatsukun. They don't deserve you at all. You're going to figure that out eventually. She showed Karamatsu a smile, and he shrank away, uneasy. He could only see it as the expression of a monster. Outside, Jushimatsu called again, but his voice disappeared into the distance. There's something I should admit, Matsuri said. Karamatsukun, I really, truly despise your brothers with every fibre of my being. I can't forgive the way they've treated you. I can't forgive how they've ignored you, made fun of you, threatened you, even physically hurt you. As their future sister-in-law, I tried my very best to see them the way you do, to overlook their faults and love them unconditionally, but I just couldn't do it. Watching all the ways they wronged you, I couldn't possibly love them. Karamatsu shook his head. You can't understand everything just by watching occasionally, he argued. You don't know what kinds of people my brothers are, or what our relationship is like. An only child couldn't possibly... I couldn't possibly understand the feelings between sextuplets, Matsuri finished. Her smile vanished, leaving in its wake an expression that was cool and detached. Is that what you want to say? So tell me, Karamatsukun, as a sextuplet, what kind of feelings were there between you when Ichimatsukun grabbed you by the collar of your shirt and threatened you for saying that you believed in him? That... What kinds of feelings were between you when they asked why you were born, or when they told you to die? Karamatsu flinched. What kinds of feelings were there when you were screaming for their help and they threw things at you until you lost consciousness? Karamatsu tucked his chin, his posture stiff. That was a long time ago, and it's not like they're always that way. They even apologise. I don't want to hear it. Matsuri lifted her plate from her lap and stood, staring down at Karamatsu with a demeanour so oppressive it stilled his breath in his throat. I finally managed to rescue you from those demons, and I'll be damned if they so much as breathe the same air as you ever again. The sooner you can throw away your absurd fantasies about them being good brothers, the better for everyone. For you, for me, and even for them. She turned and, with a brisk stride, exited the room, leaving Karamatsu alone with his dread and despair. He dropped his gaze to his lap, where it fell upon the largely untouched plate of Karaage. His appetite had completely vanished. Even at their worst, Karamatsu would have given anything to have his brother's company over Matsuri's.